Anakin spoke highly of you. Interesting. He never mentioned you. Everyone in the Order knew Anakin Skywalker. Few would live to see what he became. Surely that must leave a mark. Is that why you walked away? Abandoned him? I'm not here to discuss my past. The only reason I'm here is to secure the future. For you? Something far greater. Ambitious. Necessary. And you find starting another war necessary? I'm not starting a war. But Thrawn will. It is an unfortunate evil, but speaks to a greater truth. One must destroy in order to create. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 537, Ahsoka, parts three and four. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Shin Hati to my Marek, we have Carl LeClaire. Oh, good. I can tell you what to do. <laughs> you can. And we're wingmen. Uh, and then I die. Yeah, or and, explode into and explode a green explode mist. into a green mist, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that really freaks out Shin. Mm, yeah, don't think was she... I ever really alive? I don't know. We don't. Well, maybe <laughs> at one point, but we'll never know. Um, Jason, no. we're going to continue through Ahsoka once again. Oh, how how incredibly awesome and amazing is that? <laughs> Yeah, I loved talking through parts one and two uh, last week and so excited to talk through parts three and four. Part four is it's if it's not my favorite episode, it's probably my second favorite episode of the series so far. Uh, I I really love it. Mm -hmm. So so looking forward to talking through some of our favorite moments from that one as well as part three. Um, So what do you say we just get right into it? Let's do it. Uh, we're going to start with part three, Time to Fly. Which is Whee! such a fun title. Like you, like we were talking about last week, so many of these episodes have great titles. Absolutely. that That's one of the things I really appreciate about the show is that they, they definitely put, you know, effort into the titles and, you know, either made it kind of a, a nice reference to something or at least something fun. Um, but yeah, that they're absolutely fantastic. Um, and Carl, we both ended up with just two moments from this episode um, and four episodes from the second from uh, part four. Uh, so uh, 
where where are you wanting to start in this episode? Um, well, for me, I, I was going to start right at the top of the episode with Sabine's training. Absolutely. So was I. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it. I love it because it gives off such Empire Strikes Back Dagobah vibes in so many ways. It's it's kind of it, after getting, you know, a show like Andor, which is very much not concerned with the force or the mystical side of Star Wars, and understandably so. Uh, right. I loved a show like Ahsoka that really leans into that aspect of Star Wars. And and I think this is what this scene is with Sabine being trained by Ahsoka is, is all about. And I don't know if you notice this, Jason, and it's not it's not an exact uh, exact copy, but the outfit that Sabine is wearing while training is very similar to Luke's outfit that he trains in on Dagobah. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a different colored mm. tank top, but the tank top material looks the same. And then even the like jacket she wears through the rest of the episode it has really strong Bespin Luke vibes. Um, so I, I don't know if that now was that on... you pointed it out. I notice it. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if it was they're, on. They're per- definitely doing. Sure. I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's. You know, any significance other than they're just trying to make the connection. Um, yeah, but that's definitely deliberate. It's definitely deliberate. Yeah. And and that's the thing with anything Dave Filoni related, you feel like it's gotta be on purpose. Um, but that said, <laughs> right. you know, this, this whole, this whole segment is, is so similar to, to Luke's training. It's about teaching her to trust in the force and to trust in her ability to, to touch it. Uh, I mean, I love that there's such a physicality to it to the begin at the beginning. Sabine is getting really frustrated uh, in the initial mm-hmm. part of the, the the stick training, and it reminds me a lot of how frustrated she gets when Kanan and Ezra are trying to train her in in the episode with the knife. The excuse me, the knife <laughs> with the um, the why the dark I, saber. Thank you, my God, <laughs> I can't remember anything today. Um, yes, with the dark saber, uh, and and I thought that that was such a. A, a great kind of continuation of, of Sabine's character is, is, is how, how much she can get flustered in, in moments like this. And I, I think the best cast casting f- carrying over from animation to live action is, uh, I think her name is, I think her first name is Natasha. <laughs> um, I don't remember Leo something with a B, but the, the woman playing Sabine, I think absolutely captures her, her, personality so perfectly and i think this is a scene that kind of shows that is showing how frustrated she gets and ahsoka is this very stoic master in this scene um mm-hmm. it, it it's really not until the next episode where i finally can start to see the ahsoka i remember <laughs> um right and yeah. and i don't know if that's you know for the longest time i thought it was rosario dawson but i think it's i think it's more just the writing um like i mean i kind of <laughs> snidely said in the last yeah. episode you know i think I'm, I'm getting a little over the trope of a jilted master or a jilted hero uh we we're getting that mm-hmm. all over star wars we're getting that all over a lot of stories right now um so, oh, right it seems to be hollywood's favorite trope at the moment yeah and, and i'm so over i it. i think it's about run its course in my opinion i like like you i'm a getting not to say that the the story isn't good when it's executed well in the right way but when every when every hero's journey starts with a jilted hero instead of a, a dreaming hero like Luke was or something to that, you know, or or just even something else, it, it does start to get a little predictable. For sure. Um, 
Yeah. So actually, really, so I get that really quick. I'm going to make a quick sidebar just to kind of defend this point, because I've, I've heard a lot of the arguments over the years, you know, first with Luke and Last Jedi, then again with Obi-Wan and the Kenobi series. Now, again, with Ahsoka, right? Everybody references that these characters have gone through a lot of trauma, and that is true. Um, however, what these stories continue to try to beat you over the head with and where I take issue is they're trying to say that trauma automatically changes your behavior into something you never used to be. And that's not always true. And that's my issue with these things is people can go through trauma and not have a dramatic shift in character. Um, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, it, that's not to say that you won't, but to say that you always will, I think is a very obnoxious and, uh, and, and not always true trope. So that's why I was mm-hmm. just kind of like getting sick of this. It's just like, all right, people can go through really, really terrible things and still maintain like a strong sense of who they always were, right? Like they might have a little right. bit more world weariness. They may be a little bit, a little less naive per se, but, uh, to have these dramatic character shifts all the time, I, I think is, I think is kind of doing disservice to people that have gone through trauma because it's trying to say to you, Hey, and, if you've gone through and trauma come out on the other side of trauma because, exactly. because so many people have worked very hard to work through things, to overcome things. Uh, and when we have all these, these characters and, I, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm speaking generally now when we have all these characters who go through a trauma and are automatically just so different uh, and, and just sort of, wallow in their trauma they they stay in it which is never a healthy thing um and yeah. and it does do a disservice to those who have worked hard to overcome their trauma and to you know uh to to move beyond it in some way uh, or to remove themselves from it you know it, it, there's there's many ways to deal with trauma depending on what it is um and it's always beneficial to, to find a way to either move through it, learn from it, or remove yourself from it, if yeah. possible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so it, yeah, not not trying in any way to say that, um, you know, folks that have been through trauma and have been dramatically changed by it are wrong or that they haven't done enough work for it. Right. Not saying that at all, but to say that that's the no. only way is also offensive in my opinion so um i've been yeah. through a lot of trauma but i have not dramatically changed my character like it you know i've continued to be a hopeful positive person in light of things i have experienced and lived through and stories like this are trying to say no no no, you should have changed and it's like no maybe you shouldn't have <laughs> so right um so anyway that's me get, i'll get off my soapbox now it's again not to say that these things can't be true but they don't always have to be that way right i think i think the my issue with it is it's just like, hey, every single character that has experienced things, we're going to make them all go to this really dark place and have to work back from it. Um, and I think that that's, that's mm-hmm. unfair in a different way. Um, so anyway, that's my point with all that. But that said, that's back fair. to this training montage with, with Sabine. Uh, it's, you know, it um, goes all the way back to the very first lesson with the force that Luke learns in A New Hope. It's about learning to see without your eyes. It's it's about learning to anticipate and to 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 feel and to sense the movements around you. That's what uh, Ahsoka is teaching Sabine. One of the most fundamental truths in Star Wars, and Ahsoka saw Kanan work through this very clearly in Rebels. Right, he gets blinded by Maul and then is able to continue on as a Jedi Knight, and Ahsoka is a witness to that. 
So not only has Ahsoka probably heard the lessons herself back in her Padawan days, but she's also seen the fruits of that through her experience and relationship with Kanan. So I think that's really neat that mm-hmm. she's passing that on to Sabine. And I am I am cheating a little bit here, Jason, because to me, the training sequence then is also the conversation they have with the cup. Um, and mm, and again, yes. kind of continuing mm-hmm. this this kind of new notion in uh, in the Ahsoka series, which is, uh, you know, ever since Disney Star Wars has come in, Uh, All the way back to Force Awakens, that scene with Maz Kanata kind of democratized the Force in a way that it hadn't been previously. Um, It was, and it was not. I mean, George Lucas was always adamant that the Force is in everything. Everyone has an element of the Force, but we've always, especially like then with the prequels, we really leaned into the fact though that like. Oh, but people that are strong with midichlorians have this strong natural connections. They're the only ones that can really do it. So I appreciate how this show is shaking that up and it's saying, no, 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 the force is in everyone. I mean, Kanan said the same thing about Sabine all the way back when he's training her with the Darksaber. He says that to Hera mm-hmm. in, in that episode of Rebels. Um, so Ahsoka recognizes that. And even in that conversation with Sabine, Sabine asked the question that probably every Star Wars fan was thinking about ever since we heard before the show started that they're master and apprentice when and Sabine says, well, if it's in everybody, why doesn't everybody use it? And Ahsoka immediately assents to the fact that, yes, talent is a factor, right? There are going to be some people who are just it's going to come very, very naturally too, right? If you put the, if you put a basketball in the hand of Michael Jordan long before he ever practiced, he was probably already better than half the people who've been training for years. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he was just, he was just a God with a ball, with the basketball. Um, right. So, so Ahsoka understands that sure. There are some people that are just going to have it come more naturally. They're going to have a stronger connection to it, but everybody has it. And Ultimately, it's about disciplining yourself to hear it and to move with it. And that's what she's training mm-hmm. Ahsoka to do. Um, and I love it. And I love when she when she walks away and, and, and Sabine is trying to you know pull the cup to herself. She isn't able to do it in this moment. And, and clearly, like it's, it's a setup for the fact that she's going to be able to do this later. Um, but all that to right. say, I love the determination on Sabine's face. I, I, I love that she is so committed to it that she's going to figure out her way to do this. Yeah, absolutely. The the training sequence is definitely the the first thing I wanted to bring up in this episode too. And um I like what you said about that, you know, about all of the the, the force sensitivity to, you know, in regards to Sabine and stuff like that. Um you know, and obviously we've had the conversation with Hu Yang in part 2 about, you know, how she has the lowest aptitude of any, you know, anybody he's ever trained uh for the force, you know it's very likely that even if she is able to, you know, her best with the force is probably miles away from anything Anakin could accomplish. Mm. You know, Anakin will probably always be so much further ahead of anything that Sabine can accomplish just because of the level of talent and the amount of midichlorians and all that stuff. That being said, Ahsoka is pushing Sabine to utilize everything she's got. Um, and to not let, uh, you know, and to not let any of that that talent or that connection, however small it may be compared to others, uh, go to waste. Um, because if if Sabine doesn't connect in a in you know in a way that uh, she that Ahsoka believes or hopes that she can, uh, then Sabine will likely not survive this mission. So it's, 
part of survival. Uh, but also, I, I really get the feeling Ahsoka is definitely pushing Sabine hard in all of this. She knows what she's asking Sabine is more difficult for Sabine than it was for her uh, when she was training. Mm. Um I, I really get that sense through all of this is that uh, Ahsoka is, but Ahsoka is trying not to treat her differently um, mm-hmm. than anybody else because she's, I think she's hoping that that's going to bring out Sabine's determination and make her better than any of them ever thought that she could be. That's sort of my sense of things. Um I will say, though, my favorite line out of all of the training sequence, it really is Ahsoka's Yoda line, which is, you know, anger and frustration are quick to give power, but they also unbalance you. You know, of course, Mm. she says that right after she trips Sabine and makes her fall to the floor. Um, So (laughs) but um, it it's you know, it's a really good thing, especially for Sabine, because obviously she lives in her emotions and a lot of it is right now is anger and frustration, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and you know, for a multitude of reasons, and we learn throughout, I can't remember if it's in this episode or, or, or part four, but we learn that, um, Sabine's whole family died on Mandalore, you know? I don't think we learned that until a little bit later, but yeah. Okay. I think it's in like part six. Yeah. I I think it's in part six. Maybe, Maybe it is. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we, we learned that her whole family died. So, of course, you know, not only is, you know, Ezra, you know, Ezra has now become hyper important to Sabine because of that. Um, and obviously just the interact, the previous, the way that Ahsoka and Sabine left things previous is also a lot of tension and frustration. So mm-hmm. uh, she's, you know understandably angry but ahsoka is also telling her you need to find a way to control that because it will unbalance you um yeah. and, and and you can't you know that that's not good so for sure and you know i think something uh and, and while it's not directly in this scene but when ahsoka is talking with huyang after this moment and you know, and, and Ahsoka's kind of giving Hu Yang some some grief for, you know, why did you tell her that? Right? Why did you tell her that her aptitude mm-hmm. is so low, blah, blah, blah? And he's and Hu Yang just says, Well, listen, like it's the truth. Like the Jedi would never have taken her in. Like she just she hasn't she doesn't have the wherewithal that a that a typical Jedi would. And I like that Ahsoka follows that up with with two points. And her first point is I don't need Sabine to be a Jedi. Just need her to be herself, right? So in a lot of ways, she's not mm-hmm. necessarily training Sabine to be a Jedi. She's just training her no. to use the force, right? And 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 I love kind of that there's that difference. And then she also points out to Hu Yang, you know, that yeah, the Jedi did that for generations and they failed, right? Like she is she's I've always appreciated this about Ahsoka after she walks away, that she does kind of have a chip on her shoulder about the Jedi Order. Um, and rightfully so. Right. They they abandoned her in a time of need. So and then she also watched them fall because of that very arrogance. So I I like that her pushback to Huyang is, listen, they didn't they literally didn't get it right because they fell apart. And Mm. I'm not training Sabine to be one of them. I'm just teaching her how to use the force. 
um, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it would just be, I think helpful if Ahsoka told Sabine all of this. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. That's, that is one of the things by the end of the season that there, there are some key things that should have been in this show that were not, um, and scenes like, yeah, there should have been a couple more scenes like that, a little less pew pew and a little bit more, uh, uh, emotional dialogue that is that is my overall general just complaint of of the show in general it's just we spend a little too much time shooting blasters and chasing people and not enough time talking through the feelings that these characters are are holding on to well i mean i I, it's part of the story that she doesn't tell sabine all of this you know it's part of and it's part of why when we get to part four uh sabine uh, goes with balin you know yeah. So it it it's narratively it, it, there's there's a you know narratively a reason why she hasn't had some of these conversations with with Sabine. Um but yes, it, it, I'm just pointing out that you know maybe maybe things would have been better or different for Ahsoka and Sabine if Ahsoka had had actually said some of these things to her instead of trying to uh hide <laughs> some of these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so sounds like you also have another moment from this episode. I do. Um, and that's going to be the fighter chase is, uh, your next moment, uh, before be, or after that? It is before that. Um, okay. and it's, it's the scene with Hera, um, confronting kind of the, the, I, I wrote my notes, the Senate, it's not the Senate, it's the, um, defense council, right? Is that what it is? I think I mean, it's, so. It's, it's made up the of Senate senators. subcommittee yeah. on defense or whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um i uh i think this is this is one of my favorite scenes in the in the show um mary elizabeth weinstead just acts the hell out of this out of this particular scene um it's right. it's great to once again uh get a little bit more sense of the world building around the new republic obviously they did a bunch of that in um season three of of mandalorian um so we're we're right. getting we're getting tidbits here and there and but a lot of the tidbits are showing that the new republic is on shaky ground right like even as it's building itself up it's struggling and we get to meet uh senator ziono which of course is the father of kaz ziono from star wars resistance which is the most underrated animated show out there uh, i love the heck out of that show um but uh you know and we obviously saw him in resistance but the thing I really appreciate about his character in this particular scene, and then we're going to get more of him a few episodes later, is he reminds me a lot of Borisk Fila from the Legends yes. canon, who is a Bothan who's in the Senate and he's constantly at odds with with Leia and Admiral Akbar, And he's kind of this up and coming very popular senator who's kind of causing a tremendous amount of division in the New Republic government. And Ziono is just kind of really well fills that role while he's certainly not the same character. It's a similar trope that he's this troublesome one who, for whatever reason, just goes at odds with our with our heroes. And and in this scene, I love how Hera is very snarky with him, you know, almost like she has no respect for him because your opinion doesn't matter. You weren't even in the war. Right. Um, And. And 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 just, I also just love, waited to see who came out on top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 I also love in this scene 
that it shows that there's a strong connection between Mon Mothma and Hera, right? That their conversation begins very lighthearted. You know, where's Jason? Which, yes, we were, everybody was waiting for this, right? Like, where is yes. Jason Syndulla, um, the, the child of Canaan and Hera? So for Mon to kind of just start with like this very familial conversation, I love that because it shows that Hera and Mon Mothma are friends. Um, and she obviously has an ally in Mon Mothma in this defense council. And, you know, as the scene kind of progresses, we see Hera kind of keeping her composure, but she starts to become more and more flustered as her her nervousness about Thrawn's return is falling predominantly on deaf ears. And, um, you know, it's 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 interesting because in some ways I do think somebody like Ziono just genuinely thinks, listen, Thrawn is gone we are working on establishing this new republic. We don't need task forks out there looking for boogeymen in the far reaches of the galaxy, right? It's almost as if Ziono's trying to assuage any sort of unnecessary elements of fear. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he almost kind of throws that in Hera's face, implying, you know, what you're doing here is you're just trying to rally resources in hopes of finding your friend. And he makes it personal. He makes it like this personal attack. Yeah. So it's it's for Ziono, it's no, no, no. You don't genuinely really care. You just want to try to find Ezra and use New Republic resources. And that's when Hera loses it. She says, you don't know that, right? I, I love the way she delivers that line. It's so powerful. And, and the emotion that comes over her face, the tears that come to her eyes. Um, you know, I it's probably, it probably follows that for the last several years, they probably have kind of just assumed Ezra's gone. I mean, maybe not necessarily dead, but definitely gone. So this, right. all this new hope of Ahsoka finding this orb and this this kind of adventure, this quest that they're on, it's becoming a very clear reality that he could come back. And, and Hera is now emotionally compromised as a result. Um, and as yeah. the scene ends, I love that it ends with her going out. We see Jason. He comes up yeah. and he's all excited about... I love that he refers to Sabine as Aunt Sabine, right? It's it, yeah. it continues that very strong trope of the fact that the ghost crew was a chosen family. And even though, you know, uh, Sabine is certainly not blood related to Jason, he, she's Aunt Sabine. And I love that. And, right. and, and, and there's just that wide-eyed optimism of, I want to be a Jedi, right? This is Anakin. I want to be the yeah. first one to see them all. Kind of the same age yes. as well, right? It's this young boy and... You know, I'm really curious how much he knows about his father. I, I imagine a good amount um, from something we'll hear in, I would in, think in, so. the, in part five. But um, yeah, you know, just and I think his youthful optimism brings such a joy to Hera. And, you know, when she, she just says, you know, I, I know you do, Jason. You know, there's just such a fondness in Hera's eyes. And, and you can just tell how much she loves her son. Um in and of himself because it's her son and also because of the connection it still gives her to Kanan. Uh, so I, I right. love this scene. Yeah, it, it's a great scene. Um, and I was hoping you would have this on your list because I, I wanted to talk about it, but I had a whole bunch of other things that I wanted to talk about. So um, <laughs> too, but um, yeah, no, I, I really like this scene for many of the reasons why you said uh Senator Ziono is definitely the Borsk Fela of the canon universe. Um, for sure. I, I do love the connection that, you, <laughs> that we've made there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is one of these things where the, the Republic is focused 
the, the new Republic is focused on building things on trying to make sure that the shaky foundation that they're standing on can be strengthened. Um, because it, you know it's a fledgling government. The the empire has only recently been defeated. Uh, still, you know it's it's been less than ten years uh, since the Death Star two was destroyed. I'm sure it took at least a it, you know we know it took at least a year before they took back Coruscant and were able to really start establishing things um, as a government. And so it's still a fledgling system and it's still shaky and. You know, you've got these senators who are, you know, pol- you know, political power <laughs> is now something that people not connected with the emperor can attain again. And they're trying to flex those muscles <laughs> <laughs> and bring back civility in a way. Um, and to have, you know, this general come in and say, hey, uh, lurking in the dark corners of the galaxy is the potential for another war because one of the scariest moffs who's been presumed dead for, you know, a long time, grandma or not moffs, uh, grand admirals, uh, is supposedly alive and coming back to the galaxy. And you can see why the skepticism is there. Um, obviously someone like Mon Mothma, who's known Hera for a very long time, knows not to just discount Hera's, you know, analysis of the situation offhand. But many of these senators don't know her except as general on a report, you know. So um, it's it's easy to see why they would discount it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she believes it so fervently, obviously, uh, and is having flashbacks to what happened in Rebels against Thrawn and everything that fell apart around them because of Thrawn, uh, including the death of Kanan and the disappearance of Ezra it still weighs on her. So, uh, and like, like you said, I love getting Jason in this yeah. as well. It's, yeah. it was a really nice addition. Uh, something that I definitely wanted, but I wasn't sure we were going to get. Uh, and the fact that we got it made me very, very happy. Mm. Uh, yes. So absolutely. Um, but I, I do want to get to the fighter chase. There's, uh, there's some really, you know, there's some fun stuff in there. I, I always like a good dog fight. Um, some fun details. The, you know, I'm a big fan of the the starfighter design. The, you know, the they look like World War II fighter planes. Um, Shin's got a Jedi headset from the prequels, which I love that little detail. Uh, we get the intro of the Pergil doing all of this. But I think more importantly, um, in addition to just, you know, having this confrontation and finding the the hyperspace ring, what this does is it really shows us that Ahsoka and Sabine work really well as a team once they start communicating. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we have the moment initially where uh, Ahsoka is dodging shots and Sabine's like, hold it steady, I can't hit that. And finally then they they start communicating about, you know, the different moves they're going to make. And they, that's when they finally start making headway against these fighters that are chasing them. Um, and, and so we, we kind of get to see a little, you know, the beginnings of the fruit of the training that we got at the beginning of the episode between Ahsoka and Sabine, not only, um, you know, Sabine skills, but 
the fruits of them as a master apprentice relationship um, being knit back together. So we really kind of get, this is our first real glimpse at the team that they were and the team that they could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, that's part of why I really like all of this. There's some really fun details, uh, you know, in, in all of this, but more importantly, it's, it's the team knitting back together slowly uh, as, as it does in star Wars in life and death circumstances. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When in um, man, I love the look of the, the, the fighters that uh, like Shin and Morgan's folks are flying. And you mentioned this to me, Jason, that they kind of look like, um, Shoot, what's the World War II aircraft that the British flew? The, the Spitfires? Spitfires, yeah. And it definitely yeah. is. It's such a cool-looking ship. And I know they made the Lego set of one of those plus the the um, the U-Wing, or the E-Wing, excuse me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really hoping they make them for, uh, like, either, like, the... Uh, Micro galaxy. Thank you. Either the micro galaxy or even, you know, some of the hot wheels collections. Um, I just, Mm. Lego's just so expensive and I also suck at making Legos. So I'd rather just get like a (laughs) a miniature version, but I, I I love those fighters and, um, I I would love to get my hands on one, especially, uh, especially an E-wing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think for all the things you said, Jason, it, it, more than anything, it's about showing how, how seamlessly Ahsoka and Sabine can fall right back into, to working together. Um, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to so much of this episode really after you, I mean, other than the initial training sequence and then the scenes with Hera in in the, you know, in the, the new Republic, the, the remaining like 18 minutes of this episode is essentially a chase scene. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and it, it gave me such clone wars vibes and, and, and I'm not, you know, I've shared this over the years, Jason, I'm not a big fan of chase scenes. Um, but even still, I, I watched this episode. It's also, it's the shortest episode of the season, like mi- minus the credits and the recap. It's about 28 minutes. Um, so it's a very short episode and, mm-hmm. and, and it just, it felt so much like a clone wars episode. So I watched this one a lot the week it came out. I think I watched it like eight times. I would just throw it on <laughs> quick every morning before work for that entire week. Cause it was so quick. It was easy to watch. Um, yeah. and, and it did, I, I appreciated it for like having that clone wars vibe. And when Ahsoka goes out onto the ship, uh, I love the oh, spacesuit she's wearing. She looks so wars. cool in that blue spacesuit. I kind of, the only thing yeah. I wish they had done is given her one of the, like the globe helmets, you know, that we've seen them wear in the clone <laughs> wars. I love those helmets. They're so, they're so like space, space person-y. Um, I love yeah. them, but yeah, I loved, I like, I love the blue of it, but like her going out there and doing that whole like lightsaber and space stuff. I'm like, this is so clone wars. I love it. Oh Yeah. 100%. That that was a total Clone Wars moment for sure. Um it oh man, it made my day. When when, when that f- episode when the fr- episode first came out uh and we all were all watching it, I, my face just lit up and was grinning from ear to ear watching that going, "Oh man, it's really nice to see these kinds of moments in live action because it, it you know, it it just feels right. It yeah. feels like Clone Wars." Uh and, you know, it's Ahsoka, and so you got to have her pulling some kind of stunt like that. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I think we're going to move into uh, our, our next episode here. Uh, part part four, four. Fallen Jedi. Which, real quick, who is that referring to, to you, do you think? 
Um, all of them. Uh, Ooh. Ahsoka, because she literally falls. Uh, Balin, uh, because he is a fallen Jedi. Uh, Sabine, I think, because she fails as a traditional Jedi in this. And then Shin has just never been a Jedi, so maybe not Shin. So maybe she's not a fallen one, but... Um, Shin is I, actually I think it's, uh, Shin's an angel from the moons of Iego. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's where that's it, where Balin found her. So, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wampus is so, our <laughs> canon right there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's at the very least, it's both Ahsoka and Balin, um, mm, for sure. Maybe you could make a case for Sabine, um, but it's for sure Balin and Ahsoka. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think th- when I watched it the first time, I was like, ooh, what a cool title, Fallen Jedi. Uh, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, that's obviously just Balin. But I think I think it's, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's Balin and Ahsoka. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're Fallen Jedi for very different reasons. Uh, and and right. I think that's just what makes them so compelling in, in their encounter that they're going to have in this episode. Um, so that said, what is the first moment that stood out to you from The Fallen Jedi? Hu Yang's request. Uh, when, uh, oh, when sure, sure, sure. Sabine yeah. and Ahsoka are about to to leave uh, after mm-hmm. they've been attacked at the ship and the, with the droids and the, the you know soldiers are and they're easily dealt with. Um, and Hu Yang shows Ahsoka's, off his incredible street fighter skills. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's he's master a, of terrorist Kasi. <laughs> Right. Oh, he probably is. Yeah. He's, it's all downloaded into his system and everything. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he's he's got a trained Jedi. So uh, obviously he's he can hold his own. But um, and I like that he said in a previous episode, it's all still 70 percent original parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> so but they're they they've been attacked. It's time to go out and to try and stop, you know, what's what's happening with the map and the hyperspace ring. So they're about to take off and Hu Yang is out there and he says, you know, just one request, stay together. You always did better that way. Um, we and, should get moving together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> together. <laughs> and, and the, you know, they, they sort of poke fun at him a little bit, but it really is kind of, it's almost the, it's like the first joke that Ahsoka and Sabine share in the series it hmm. really feels like you know it, it it is a nice little softening of of their relationship for them they're they're, they're both humoring who yang together um but of course you know while he's still you know done some very brazen things like just flat out tell sabine that she's the least qualified jedi that he's ever seen um he does care about them. yeah and and he can see that there's still a wall between the two of them, that there's still tension between the two of them. And, you know, we're, we're at this point where things are getting serious. And so he's like, please stay together. You always do better that way. And it's, and it's not just, you know, for com it's, he's not just saying that for combat reasons. Mm-hmm. He's also saying that, you know, for larger reasons than that. So it's just was something that I, you know, it was a nice little tender moment and something that I really appreciated and something that's, that's key because obviously they don't stay together. Um, and, you know, 
once once the fighting starts, they split up, and uh, they you know they're a stronger team together than they are separate, obviously. And we kind of just get that uh, laid out for us throughout the rest of the episode when when they don't stay together. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's oh my goodness. It's a great little moment, and and and, and even the the quick little action sequence immediately preceding it, where they kind of come out to to rescue Hu Yang. You once yeah. again get to see kind of the complementary styles in which they fight. You know, we saw right. it on the ship; they're working together to evade these fighters, and now they're doing it on the ground as well. You know that there is this chemistry between Ahsoka and Sabine, and and Hu Yang has been witness to all of that. Um, all the things that we haven't seen as the audience, Hu Yang has. And right, it's it is this really like tender thing. And it's one of the first times Ahsoka really smiles. You know, uh it's yeah. it's it's there's this genuineness between the three of them that there is there was something there. There was a camaraderie there that was disrupted. And we get to see a quick hint of it here in this moment. Um, and and yeah. he gets to be Uncle Hu Yang trying to tell tell the little ones to, to play nice, play together. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, share exactly, your toys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, say you're sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. And play together. Exactly. You know? uh, it, it's like it's the, the gentle way of. Uh, putting the this is my together shirt over the two kids um <laughs> I've seen, i don't know if you've seen that online no <laughs> uh these parents are like you know siblings screaming at each other and they just put a giant shirt over the two of them and they're like you know get along and then we'll let you out um but uh he i'm sorry i saw one of those like yesterday and it was it made me laugh but um yeah he's he's definitely like all right let's play nice apologize play nice let's 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 come back as a as a unit again a family unit again um mm-hmm. so yeah i love i love that moment yeah what's uh, uh what's your first moment uh the first oh, one sorry. i want to mention is uh it, it, another hera scene so it's hera kind of just defecting mm-hmm. and going on her own way to um Cetos, right the 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 defense council is not going to back her up. They're not going to send the fleet. Um, and so Hera's just going to kind of go on her own way. And, and I love, there's so many great little things here. I mean, we get to go into the ghost for the first time. Um, yeah. I will say I, I found it a little jarring. The cockpit feels very, very small. Um, and mm. right. You don't need to have a direct translation from animated to live action. There's always, I'm fine with there being some difference. And I'm not even saying that this was like, Oh my gosh, it took me out of it. I hated it. It just felt very narrow. Like the cockpit in, in rebels feels really, really big. Um, and I think part of that is just cause they always want the crew to be able to move around it well when they're on camera together, but even thinking in rebels, mm-hmm. right? Like look in tie fighter pilots, you know, there's tie fighters sometimes that have Ezra, Sabine and Zeb in a tie fighter cockpit, right? You know, <laughs> look at a new hope. There's not much room in there. So no, um, right. So, so right, the medium, <laughs> the medium dictates what the story needs. Um, that said it, it was, it was just like, Oh, interesting. It looks a little bit smaller, but that said, you know, I, I like how, uh, Jason kind of gives her some grief, like, wait, well, how come I always have to listen to what I'm told? And she's like, when you're a general, you can do what you want. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Hera's going to say something similar to this again in, in part five, but she's not afraid to use what she has. Like she's not afraid to use the authority that she's gained from her hard work and, and her successes, she's not, she's not afraid to throw that weight around a little bit, 
which I appreciate mm-hmm. because it's not like it's not an arrogance of like I expect to be well treated because that's just what I expect of myself. But it's no, no, no. I've put in the work. I've gained the trust of so many people. So I'm going to throw the things I'm going to throw that weight around where I can. Um, and then, as you know, as they're leaving, you know, she once again, we get Carson Tava again, which I love. I mean, I, I love that he's bopping up in all these shows. Uh um, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but I I loved him in Kim's Convenience. He's so good in that show. Uh, just an absolutely delightful person. Um, so having him back and right. And, and he points it. He makes it very clear to Harry. You know, this decision you've made could cost you quite a bit. You know, you could get in some serious trouble. And her response of, hey, once a rebel, always a rebel. Right. You know, that's <laughs> Harris holding on to the core of who she is, is. She she follows through on what feels right, not what the rules say. And I love that about Hera. It's Paul uh, Son Hyung Lee. Thank you. His name. Awesome. Thank and, you. And uh, he's he's going to be uh, Uncle Iroh in the live action uh, Avatar The Last Airbender that Netflix is doing, which I'm very excited about. Oh, um, cool. Um, yeah. But yes, I I love this scene. I, I do like the, you know, when you're a general, you can you know, disobey, you could do what you want to do line as well. Uh, it, it's the, it's the way Hera can get out of telling Jason said so, mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> so <laughs> because I said so, she's like, well, when you're a general, you can do this. Um, but uh, it, yeah, no, I, I like this. I, I like seeing Hera, you know, go rogue. Uh, if you will, which is an overused phrase for all of these <laughs> these rebel heroes who are still doing rebel things in the New Republic. Um, but uh, it's apt. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I also yeah. just I also just really that is not not a surprise. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a surprise that she does this, obviously. Sure. Yeah. I also really just I just really like the visuals. Um, uh, I mean, it, it just reminds me a lot of Lando flying and taking lead on, you know, the fighters before they uh, blast off for Endor. Right? There's just there's a lot of visual similarities there with the way they're flying among the uh, the fleet there. And yeah, it just it's it's a great little sequence. And 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 these are kind of Harris faithful ones, if you will. Right. You know, there there are folks that like her mm-hmm. aren't aren't afraid to kind of buck orders and do what, do what is right. Um, so I like that. I like that Hera has like a rallying group and, and Carson Tava is one of them, you know? I, I, yeah. We, we, I mean, we already saw him do that in season three of Mandalorian. He goes off to, to give tips to Mando, even though he's really not supposed to, you know, uh, I right. think, I think that's always one of my favorite tropes in, in a star Wars hero is, when they're when they know what is right and they're going to do it regardless of what other voices of authority may even say. And I think one of the OGs to do that was Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. Right. You know, yeah. Obi-Wan kind of saying you got to go confront your father and, and probably defeat him. And Luke's just like, no, I'm going to do something different. So <laughs> I know it feels right. I, I know it yeah, feels more right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so what I do like that you brought up the visuals. Hmm. I, I, I do like you that brought up the visuals because the opening shot of that scene with home one and the rebel fleet or the excuse me, the new Republic fleet uh, there was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, uh, the visuals have, the visuals in this show are really fantastic. Um, I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, the next thing I was going to bring up was Balin and Ahsoka. Did you have anything before that? 
Um, sort of. Uh, I was just going to mention uh, Sabine and Shin round two. Uh, and, mm. and their fight kind of does intersect with Ahsoka and Balin. Um, but there's their fight kind of starts first. So I'll... Uh, um, I'll start there. <laughs> uh, I That's like fine. that. I like that they get a, another, you know, they get another round at it. Um, and, and when the fight starts, right, it's, it's obviously Merrick is going to tee off against Ahsoka. Shin is going to tee off against Sabine. But the way that Ahsoka just seems to trust Sabine to go into this fight, even though, you know, what is probably days prior, she fights Shin and almost gets killed. And Ahsoka trusts her to take this on now. I think she understands that Sabine is more centered now, is more ready for this fight. And I like that the fight starts with her essentially just like chasing her. Like she's playing tag or something. She's yeah. trying to she's trying to tag her with blaster bolts, but you know, she is <laughs> you know, I like that her kind of initial reaction is is like the Mandalorian one, right? Pull out your blasters and, and kind of chases her deeper into the woods. And um I Jason, I got to tell you, even the first time I watched the episode, I I like chuckled pretty hard when Shin force pushes her against the tree, and her her helmet just conveniently flies straight off, <laughs> so that yeah. so that her face can be exposed. I, I just I think that's just so funny. Um, but the the, the it's, fight it's a very Star Wars thing to happen, or oh. a very well, it's a very Hollywood thing to happen. Yes, um, but, yeah. So yes, uh, but I I I like that Sabine is just more sure of herself in this fight. Um, she fights yeah. a bit more unconventionally. Um, it's still pretty clear though, that Shin is certainly the more powerful one. Um, certainly when it comes mm-hmm. to force ability, but also just, you know, she's clearly spent more time with a lightsaber than Sabine probably has. Um, so yes. I, I like that the, the fighting language still establishes that Shin clearly has the upper hand. She's still kind of throwing Sabine around a bit, but Sabine is finding other ways to go on the attack. And and mm-hmm. and I think in the fight, one of my favorite moments is once Sabine loses the lightsaber and kind of Shin kicks her to the ground and she pushes out her hand like like I don't know. It, to me, like the sound effect is very like, you know, they use sound effects in Star Wars when the force is being used. And it's it's sound. Yes. It, it, and there's a brilliance to that sound effect that it's it starts to sound like what a force push would sound like. But it's but it's kind of. Um, it's kind of falls short. Like it starts, but it never f- goes all the way through. And it's funny because it, even it ends up being a slap across the face rather than a push. Yeah, it, yeah, and and because clearly Shin felt something. Like she does, kind of like her her shoulder kind of rolls back for a second. And she looks down, but almost yeah. laughs it's at like him. A just, punch in the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like, "You have no, you have no power." Um, mm-hmm. and then. Sabine does a very Sabine thing and just uses her gauntlet to shoot a, you know, shoot a dart at her. Um, yes. And, and, and it's Sabine still not at the place where she can quite win the fight, but she can definitely survive the fight. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's in a lot of ways. I mean, that's very star Wars, right? You don't always have, to, you don't always have to win. This is a famous quote from Mace Windu in Matthew Stover's novel, uh, Shatterpoint. Uh, math, it's my favorite Mace Windu thing. And of course it's not from anything on screen, but Mace Windu's famous line is, is you don't have to, you don't have to win. You just have to, you just have to fight. Um, right. And I think Sabine leans into that truth here is, is she's not afraid to go into the fight with Shin and she has the wherewithal to survive it. Um, 
So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the sequence. And again, you know, when, when she loses the lightsaber at first, she uses her, ga- her Mandalorian, you know, Beskar gauntlet to block the lightsaber, something we saw Mando do when he first encountered Ahsoka in, in season two of Mandalorian. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy this second round fight uh, between the two of these characters. Yeah, it, it it's really great. And uh, you can see that, you know, like you said, uh, Sabine is definitely a lot more comfortable uh, and confident in her own skills. Uh, she is definitely relying more on the Mandalorian side of her skills than the Force or, or, you know, for lack of a better term, the Jedi side of her her teaching at this point. Um, which is definitely why she's able to, to hold her own. Uh, like you said, she's, you know, she she's not... Um, necessarily going to win unless she gets lucky probably um but she can definitely hold her own and she can survive the fight uh my favorite part of it like is like you said is when she does the force push uh that doesn't quite work and then just goes eh and shoots her with the darts um or shoots it at shin with the darts and then i like that shin basically responds in kind by dropping the smoke grenade when she takes off back to uh, to Balin and the the map area, when when the duel officially ends, is you know uh, Shin Shin ends up using you know gadgets against Sabine in order to escape, mm-hmm. uh, which is just kind of interesting. Um, Shin becomes Batman for just a brief second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of does. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, no, it, it's a great fight. The choreography is really fun. Um, I do like the setting. The setting is really cool. I, I like the the red forest. Mm. Um, it's a very, it's definitely you know very much a, a Japanese inspired uh, kind of thing, and which is definitely what uh, Dave Filoni leans into with anything concerning Ahsoka. So um, yeah, it, it was it's a great set piece, uh, really great fight, and there's there's definitely. Uh, storytelling in it because obviously as, as we've as we've said Sabine is is growing in her abilities and we can see that um, and it's re- it, it's really well done so for sure uh, well what's in well so it sounds like the next thing you want to talk about is Ahsoka and Balin's duel right yes um, which yeah. I of course want and, to talk uh, about as well so yeah feel free to kick that off yeah absolutely uh, it, it's it's really fantastic. And of course the, the initial interaction is that their, their discussion is fantastic too, because, you know, Balin, obviously you know, we, we played the clip at the beginning, you know, Balin says, you know, Anakin spoke very highly of you and Ahsoka retorts with, he never mentioned you. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it's which, kind of mean. I love it. <laughs> it. It's a great line, but it is mean. It's, it's very mean. Um, and you know, it might be true, but I think Ahsoka is definitely trying to push Balin uh, a bit and get under his skin, which is Balin isn't affected by it. He lets it just roll off of him, uh, which I found very interesting. And he, uh, in a continuation of something I mentioned at the end of uh, last episode, when it finally gets to the point where sabers are being drawn and he goes, you know, it was inevitable, and he says it so disappointedly. He's like, I didn't want this to happen, but I knew it had to happen. Uh, it, it just connects back to his, 
you know, saying how unfortunate it was going to be to have to kill Ahsoka because there are so few Jedi left, you know. Um, so that was a nice continuation of that. But the duel itself is absolutely fantastic. The two of them are are so well matched in incredibly different styles. Um, Balin definitely has the advantage in all of it, though. He, you can see that he he's more powerful. Um, he's more focused. That's for sure. Um, and the purpose that he has for being there and for protecting the map uh, drives him more than Ahsoka's purpose to destroy the map. Mm. Um, obviously, we'll learn later on what what his purpose is. Um, but you, he is definitely the more grounded of the two combatants in this. He's definitely more grounded. He's the more centered. Um, and that is really ultimately, I think, what gives him the upper hand to inevitably overpower Ahsoka during all of this, because, you know, it's a great, great choreography, great fight. Um, but obviously Ahsoka knocks the map out, takes the map out. Um, and, and that's really when the first time we see Balin's anger rise, mm -hmm. like that's when we see his emotions come out for the first time, really. He's been very stoic, uh, very centered throughout this entire season so far the you know all the previous episodes but we really see there's there's anger i'm not sure i'd say fury um although he's got a great mad face um especially when it's sparking with the the you know the clashing of the sabers um in front in between him and ahsoka but um a, he he's definitely um, motivated and driven to get that back and to make sure that Ahsoka can't interfere anymore uh, in a way that he wasn't previous. So that's really the first time that we see emotion. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that it takes over him, but we see emotion flare up in him, um, which is a very interesting thing because he's a, he's a very stoic character even though he's meant to be a villain uh, in the series. He plays the part of a villain in the series. Mm -hmm. um, I really like your He's point. a very stoic character. Yeah, I really liked your point, though, about how he's fighting for something for the future, whereas Ahsoka's just fighting to destroy something, you know, which in kind of your, your typical black and white fairy tale type story, usually the one fighting to destroy is the villain, right? And the one mm -hmm. fighting for a future is the good guy. So in some ways, Balin's actually more of the heroic character in this duel than Ahsoka. Ahsoka's the first one <laughs> to draw blades, right? You know, Balin yeah. and Balin, I mean, he even says how inevitable, right? I, and, right. and even right before he knocks her off the cliff, he even says, like, it didn't have to come to this. You, the previous, you know, at the end of episode two there, right? He says to to Morgan, like, that he's disappointed to think that he might have to kill Ahsoka. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff in, in this sequence. Um, 
I like that the duel also starts with them stripping their robes like it's Phantom Menace. <laughs> you know, they're, they're getting <laughs> yes. ready for fight mode. And I don't know if you notice this, Jason, and, and I don't I certainly don't have a well-trained enough ear to make this official call. But when Balin turns on his lightsaber, it sounds just like Darth Vader's lightsaber in um, A New Hope when he turns it on. Um Oh. So yeah, it's a very very similar sound effect. So maybe any of you folks listening who know who know Star Wars sounds better than us, let us know if you if you know if you caught that. Uh, but yeah, the, I'd have to go back and take a look at that. But you there, may be right. Yeah, there, but there's so many things about what Balin says that I just this is typical great Star Wars. It just it's opening so many doors to stories that could be explored. Balin obviously knew what Anakin became, but if you think about it, yeah. most Jedi did not know that Darth Vader was Anakin. Most of the galaxy did not know that Darth Vader was Anakin. Um, mm-hmm. So how the heck does Balin know, right? I, I really would love to know that. And I read in an article recently, and I don't know if this is officially a canon truth or something, but apparently the reason Balin is looking for Mortis is because he believes that Anakin failed as the chosen one. So he sees it as his duty to bring the balance back that Anakin never established. Um, uh, so I read that some, it was, it was going all over the internet a, a week ago. And again, I don't know where it came from. I can't remember if it was like some sort of official source, but clearly that's what he's after. I mean, we saw, we see where the series ends for him. Um, but, but this whole stuff, like this, this whole encounter with Ahsoka is where he finally tells what he's after, uh, right. It's, it's pretty vague. Um, and it's, it's never explicitly stated what he exactly is after, but he is after right. something more, um, and understands and is willing to accept the, un, the, the, the ugly consequence of war, right? Uh, right. he understands that Thrawn coming back, of course, will probably create a sense of chaos, but he holds on to this hope that something greater will come out of this. And that's what Balin is fighting for. Uh, it's a very noble cause, even if it's a little demented um, and, mm-hmm. and it's tactics. So, yeah, I, I just I really want to know how Balin knows about Vader. Um, and and yeah. I mean, he obviously survives Order 66. Maybe he escapes Vader. Who knows? Uh, I've, I've, yeah. These are stories Maybe. I'd love to get in the future, and hopefully we will. Um, yeah. Maybe he was in the temple when Anakin attacked it and got out, you know, like, like yeah. Keller and Beck did, you know, yeah, perhaps yeah, he it. says, he's, you know, who knows? And obviously we're jumping ahead of ourselves here, but you know, I think it's in, in part seven when he says to Shin, you know, I saw everything I knew burn. Um, I mean, that could have, the, the, the way he delivers that, it, it could be metaphorical of just saying like, I literally saw the Jedi were burned to the ground, but it could also be literal. Like maybe he was in fact there to see the temple burn. Um, yeah. But all that to say, yeah, Balin knows a lot. Uh, and, 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 yeah. and escape that, right. He's, he's, he's coming back from essentially the unknown region. So he has stayed out of things and he sees mm-hmm. Anakin as a failure. And he says to Ahsoka, you know, the legacy of you and your master is one of death and destruction. So he sees Ahsoka as kind of a continuation of the evil of Anakin in, in some ways. And I think that's really powerful. But yeah, like you know, the duel itself, it's 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 my favorite duel in the entire series. Uh, I think it's a great fight. The way Ray Stevenson, oh gosh, again, may he rest in the force. Uh, what a gift that man was to this show. Um, yeah. But man, there's that one move where he he kind of like does this jump spin and just slashes down. I mean, he just yeah. overpowers Ahsoka. I really really like that. Um, it's it's kind of neat because he has the speed of of. Anakin, 
prior to the going into the Vader costume, but has this the raw power of Darth Vader in the costume. You know, it's kind of this neat combination. And uh, yeah, I mean, he just and like you said, it when when Ahsoka gets the break to grab the orb, um, and uh, it, you know you, that was a mistake, and he just lays into her. I mean, it's it is yeah. powerful. Um, yeah, such a such a great scene. Yeah, it's fantastic. It, it like you said, it it's probably the best duel in the entire series, at least for me. Um, you know, well. There's some really awesome duels in this series, but this might be my favorite. The, the setting, I mean, just the colors and everything. It's really well done. It's really well shot, uh, choreographed, and just the, de- the the whole design of the fight and the surroundings and everything really blend well together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, God, I love it. And, um, you know, when Shin shows up and Ahsoka at first assumes Sabine is dead, and just uses the force to slam Shin into a wall. Um, <laughs> you know, we see a little bit of aggression come out of Ahsoka. And and when Balin is kind of striking down on her, right, she her hand has been burnt. She can't even hold her lightsaber with two hands. But she uses the force to try to push her lightsaber blade into his, mm-hmm. right? Just as this further defense. I just thought that was a really neat little addition. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I oh gosh, I absolutely love that. Love that duel. Um, I have one moment left from from the episode. Do you have two? I have two. Yes. Okay. Um, the the next one is um, Balin's conversation with Sabine. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's um, and that, yeah. That's my last one. I had a feeling you might have one beyond that. Um, yeah, it's probably not a surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, no. The, this one, the the conversation is really good, and uh, I'll I'll just say my piece on it real quick because it's it's just a, a, a small part of it. Uh, you'll probably have more to say than I will, but um, the 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 thing that Balin does uh, was very interesting. Obviously, he he takes a moment and he senses Sabine's mind through the Force, and then he mm-hmm. starts pulling things from it in order to to talk her down. And the key thing that he says is that Ezra is holding Sabine back. Now, whether that's true or not, that's what Balin tells her. Um, and it's not only it's not only holding her back uh, emotionally, but the way he says it implies that it's holding her back on her journey with the force, uh, too. So the, you know, her. For lack of a better word, her hold up about Ezra is really sort of like the cork in the bottle that's holding everything in and holding everything back. Um, at least according to what Balin is telling her, whether mm-hmm. he's being fully truthful, uh, or if he's just highlighting a specific truth in order to get to her, um, is up for debate. But I feel like that that's a key thing that, you know, we'll have to see Sabine deal with as we move on through the rest of the, the the show um and so to have that highlighted by balin instead of ahsoka is is definitely an interesting thing so yeah yeah i love this i love this scene so much mainly because it's the as far as i know jason i mean i guess i guess except for maybe anakin and revenge of the sith it's the 
it's it's a typical Star Wars moment where the 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 villain reaches out their hand to the hero, and every time you know Maul to Ahsoka, Luke or Vader to Luke, Kylo to Rey, right? All those times the hero always says no, and it's not that Sabine is like saying like Yay, I'm ready to to be Balin's buddy, but it's the first time where they do it, and I just I love it for that in and of itself. Um, but there. Like like you mentioned, I love how Balin clearly is like a seer with the Force, right? We we see him do this yeah. in a couple of episodes prior to this, when when you know Morgan says to him, "What do you, Balin? What do you see?" Right? She even seems mm-hmm. to understand that Balin has, you know, some something that has been true in Star Wars canon for for a long time is that different Jedi have certain skill sets within the Force, right? Like they all have a lot of right. commonalities, but some of them can lean into other things more than. Than others, and uh, I think for Balin, for whatever reason, he's got that ability to to sense things. And I, I also, I, but also, I love Balin's musical motif that is played a lot during this scene. It's so good. Um, but uh, yeah, when Balin holsters his lightsaber, essentially, and he just he takes a moment, closes his eyes, right? He's sinking into the Force, and he immediately sees what's driving Sabine, and. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really struggle to say that Balin's a black and white villain. Like, yeah, he's he's right. He's definitely not a good guy, but I'm hesitant to say that he's a bad guy. And again, I think that was kind of just the brilliance of using orange lightsabers as opposed to red, um, that they're they're not quite there. <laughs> um, but that said, I think um, Balin understands what drives Sabine and then offers it to her. You know what? I don't know what's going to be at the end of this journey, but I promise I'll keep you safe that so that you will see your friend again, you know? Um, and, and then we immediately see him be a man of his word because when Shin comes to, she starts choking her, you know, Shin release him yeah. just like, you know, Tarkin Vader release him. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, goodness gracious, it's, it's just so good, you know? And then he follows it up with, you know, unlike her last master, I'm a man of, like I'm going to keep to my word. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I like that Balin is able to sense what Sabine is really after. And then he offers it to her and 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 guarantees that she'll get to to to, to find it and to see it. Um. So, yeah, I, I oh, gosh, I just I love this scene so much for that. And and I think for Sabine, I think Sabine does genuinely think Ahsoka is dead. Um, yeah. And, you know, at this point for sure, like, boy, she's really got nobody. There's no way she's just going to walk away from this. Um, and yeah. Uh, so she, she makes that decision that is not as common in Star Wars and, and, and hands things over. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that you make that point is that, you know, at this point, this is the most alone Sabine has probably felt in a long time, you know, uh, she's at the edge of the galaxy by herself, Ahsoka, you know, who she was building back a relationship with is presumed dead. Um, and we kind of see it. And now the only thing that she has is the hope of finding Ezra again, uh, which is what Balin is offering her mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and we, we see, the the depths that of of how alone that she 
you know, the, the evidence of how alone she feels when uh, she's brought up to the, um, the bridge of the, the hyperdrive ring, the, the eye of Scion is what they call it. Um, and the, the droids report that there's new Republic ships coming in and she gets incredibly hopeful and says, Hera, you know, like, she's like, Oh, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe there, there is hope outside of, of this now. Mm. So it, it, it is one of those things you, you can see evidence of just how, how very alone and isolated she feels in the moment that she makes her decision uh, based on all of that. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely her lowest moment. Um, and you know, it, Balin is able to, to take advantage of that, to get what he needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a really well-written scene. And I, I do like what you're, uh, what you said is, you know, he plays the part of the villain in this story, but he's not fully a villain. Mm -hmm. He's not fully a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's not full, but he's not fully a villain either. He, he's got his own motives and, you know, in his own head, he's doing the right thing. Makes him a little bit like Dooku, except more noble. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a lot of complicated things about Balin's skull. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I really like that. So. Yeah. So what is the what is the last moment you wanted to mention? I mean, I have a feeling. I the last thing I want to mention, uh, I don't have a ton to say about it, um, but it I really just wanted to mention it because it was, you know, such a great moment. You know, I was over at, at Kyle's house watching the episode when it came out that week. Um, and the episode, you know, is starting to close out and we see Ahsoka waking up in the world between worlds. And the only thing else I'll say is hello snips. <laughs> um, because those two words made the internet explode for an entire week until we got the following episode. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, I, I just had to make sure to mention the moment because they, they did it very well that, you know, they, they set it up beautifully uh, and we all knew Hayden was coming back for the show. We, we didn't know how. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, they're able to introduce him like this. Um, it was it was a really great way to to bring Anakin and Ahsoka back together when he just says, hello, Snips. Um, didn't that's expect like the to first... see you so soon. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> expect to see you so soon. Right. And it's all sort of far away. And then she turns around and he's right there and Anakin and music yeah. swells and we cut to credits. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and as we cut to credits, we get a statement of the Vader theme, actually, um, yeah. which is really interesting. So, yeah. yeah, I I the only reason I didn't m mention this is because there was so many other things I wanted to talk about. And we'll be talking a lot about Anakin and Ahsoka in next week's episode. Um, Absolutely. But that said, yeah, I mean, same thing. I I knew he was coming back. I figured it would all just be flashback stuff. I did not expect it in this capacity. But as soon as I saw her wake up in the world between worlds, I'm like, oh, I bet you Anakin's here. And then, yeah, we hear the hello snips kind of just, you know, in the background. Um, yeah. And, and when she turns around and sees him and says Anakin, the way she says Anakin, to me, this is the first moment in the series where it's like, that's Ashley Eckstein's Ahsoka. 
Um, it just, mm. it, it, and, and again, I understand that it is a different actor. It's also a different time period in your life. I understand there's going to be differences. Um, but that said, like it, that was the first moment where it's like, oh, this is Ahsoka. And, and it right kind of dawns on you because then the whole next episode is going to be about is her coming to terms with Anakin's legacy. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. If you think about Ahsoka, the last time we saw her in the Star Wars story is getting pulled out by Ezra in the world between worlds. And we don't know really what she's up to after that during the rest of the Galactic Civil War. Um, no. I mean, probably eventually we'll get that. Um but that said, you know, it's uh, it is really good. And every time I mean, I, I rewatched this episode a lot after it came out in that week before <laughs> episode five came out. <laughs> and every time I watched it, I got teary eyed when Hayden shows up. And again, obviously, part of it is, is just the fact that like, oh, I'm just so excited that Anakin Skywalker is back. But it, it continues to be this genuine joy that Hayden is back involved in Star Wars. Um, yeah. And, and in that moment, like, like you said, the, as the music does swell right before it then dips back down into the Vader theme, um, mm. it is just this sense of hope of like, okay, things are going to start turning around now. Like, and, and, and really I want to just, I'll shut up after this, but want to link it back to what I, what you said just a few moments ago, Jason, that I think was really brilliant about again, how Balin is fighting for something. Ahsoka's fighting to destroy something. Part five is Ahsoka finding her purpose, right? It's yeah. she, she doesn't have a deeper purpose other than, well, we just got to make sure Thrawn doesn't come back, which certainly right. is a noble purpose, but right. what is, what's really driving her? And she has so much unresolved stuff in regards to Anakin. Um, and, and, and I think that that is evident just from when she encounters Din and, and Grogu in season two, right? And refuses to train Grogu because she's like, I've seen what attachment can do the, to the best of us. So Ahsoka still hasn't right. quite been able to unlearn the truths about Anakin. Uh, right. So, yeah, I mean. Right. And it, it does make me think, you know, I like how you said, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, jumping ahead. The, the next episode is all about Ahsoka coming to, to grips with the legacy of Anakin. Um, and finding her purpose. And it made me think, uh, I can't remember if it, I think it's episode three. Um, Sabine asks her, you know, so where, where do you live now? And she goes, the ship does me fine. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka's just been bopping around. She's just been going wherever the wind kind of takes her. She, she doesn't have a greater purpose, a greater objective, uh, a, a driving sense to her right now. She's just kind of going and doing what, feels like needs to be done uh which like there's nothing wrong with that but some you know she she needs something larger in order to ground her and to give her focus um and i think she started finding that when you know the the rumors of thrawn started coming back and she was gonna have to you know she was like well for now i'm gonna try and make sure that that doesn't happen but now now the the grounding and the purpose is about to get expand something that that's not just a mission mm-hmm. but to something greater yeah uh, and uh and i think that's something to to note because i think you're right you know she does she was unmoored by what happened with by the discovery that anakin and vader were the same person and the fact that she was then pulled back into you know reality by Ezra through the world between worlds, you know, her, her point, 
her objective was to go down with Vader, to, to either take him down or go down fighting him. She said, I, I'm not going to leave you. Mm-hmm. And then Ezra comes in and pulls her back out of all of that. And she's kind of unmoored and she doesn't really know what to do now. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely we're definitely finally getting Ahsoka back on track mm-hmm. in a sense, in a mate, in, in, in the, the big way, you know, obviously she's been doing good still, but uh, it's nice that we're going to get her refocused into a, a higher purpose, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Those are some of our favorite moments from parts three and four of Ahsoka. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it's It's been so much fun to go back and rewatch all of these and, and get to talk about it all with you, Carl. Uh, it's making me very happy that we're doing this. Um, but if anybody wants to weigh in on the moments that we picked from these episodes or give us their favorite moments from these Uh, two episodes of Ahsoka. Where can people reach us, Carl? Yeah, we are on Instagram at TheWampusler. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampusler or shoot us an email at WampuslerPodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And any final thoughts before we close this out? Uh, I got nothing. Hello, Snips. (laughs) Anakin. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. This has been episode 537, Ahsoka, parts three and four. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.